Hi, I'm David Perkins. And I'm Shari Tishman. Welcome to the fourth episode of Thinkability, a podcast for people who like to think about thinking. Our theme today is thinking dispositions. And that's a topic we've been interested in for many years. So let's get going on it. However, before we dive into the details, a big question that often pops up is thinking dispositions. Huh? What's that? And it's a good question. Thinking dispositions is not nearly as familiar a topic as thinking skills. So what are they? Hey, Shari, can you give us a kind of everyday feel for what this is all about? Sure. You know, even if the term isn't familiar to many people, the concept of thinking dispositions, whether or not we use the term, it's part of the everyday way we make sense of how people think. For example, I'm sure you know somebody who's endlessly curious or someone who's always looking to explore an alternative point of view or the opposite side of an argument. Or you may know people who don't want to explore alternative points of view and who don't want to deviate from a fixed opinion. People with these kinds of character traits don't necessarily exhibit them 100% of the time, but they tend to follow these patterns of thinking. Following them is just part of their character. So really, that's it in a nutshell. A thinking disposition, I would say, is the tendency toward a certain kind or style of thinking. But hey, it's a big nutshell. Let's unpack it. Dave, how should we get into this topic? Well, that's a topic close to our hearts because our own research and writing over the years has explored thinking dispositions a lot. Maybe we can unpack the nutshell a bit with three key questions. First, what are thinking dispositions in a little more detail? And then, which thinking dispositions seem especially important these days? And third, how can we foster thinking dispositions toward improving everyone's thinking? Well, question number one, what are thinking dispositions? Shari, how would you generalize a bit from the examples you gave? Hmm. Well, hmm. as I mentioned, thinking dispositions are, are tendencies in our thinking behavior. So we, and by we, I mean you and I and others who think about such things, typically use the term to refer to positive dispositions, thinking tendencies that push our thinking in positive directions. For example, dispositions that push us to be reasonable or to make balanced judgments or to be curious or open-minded. And this bundle of positive thinking dispositions that we have can be called by different names. Sometimes we talk about them as cognitive personality or intellectual character or as a collection of habits of mind or as a general mindset. And we all have thinking dispositions, but here's a really important point. They aren't fixed. We have a dispositional profile that's part of the way we express who we are, but like other parts of our character, that profile can grow and change and shift in positive directions or negative, but let's take the positive for now. For example, if we're closed-minded, we can learn to become more open-minded or to Pick a particularly timely example. If we tend not to question the reliability of information, we can learn to become more critical of information that comes our way. And another important point about thinking dispositions is that like other character traits, they're really sensitive to context. For instance, you might be a naturally curious person, and I know you are, Dave, but you might find yourself from time to time in situations that suppress your curiosity. Sounds good. 
I'm also struck by how there are also what we might call anti-thinking dispositions, dispositions that lean away from what we usually think of as good thinking. One name for this is motivated reasoning, and that's reasoning in a way to make an issue come out the way one wants. It's a real problem sometimes. And then sometimes people are incurious or indifferent to important issues or just plain sloppy. Anti-thinking dispositions, a good phrase. You know, and your point also reminds me that dispositions typically develop as a result of multiple factors rather than growing out of a single root cause. You know, things like environment or cultural expectations or your personal interests and values and your school experience all shape the way that your thinking dispositions develop. And actually, this diversity of causes is good news from an educational standpoint, because it means that there's lots of different entry points for helping people develop positive thinking dispositions. Anyone might ask, well, why talk about thinking dispositions and not just thinking skills? And you know, there's a really important reason. Skills aren't enough. It's kind of surprising, but skills aren't enough. Research and we ourselves did some of the earliest research on this, shows that thinking skills and thinking dispositions do not go hand in hand. People often have okay or even good skills without using them in a wide range of situations. They just aren't alert to the opportunities, or if they notice, they don't feel the momentum to follow through. That's so true. And, and actually, in fact, sometimes there's momentum in the opposite direction, isn't there? Anti-thinking dispositions like, like one-sided reasoning or clinging to one's own point of view or one's group's perspective can take over and they kind of sabotage good thinking, even when people may have the skills to do better. And also situational factors play a role. For instance, you might be in a situation where it feels really important to be seen as decisive and in charge. So you act quickly, maybe too quickly, even if in another situation, you might take more time to think through a plan. There's another interesting factor also. To use the skill you have, you have to notice the occasion. But it turns out that people often don't notice a situation where they might get more creative or might look at the other side of the case. To sum up a bit, for instance, I have a disposition to take various perspectives. That's good. But that means both, A, I'm alert to situations that invite perspective taking, and B, I want to follow through and explore those different perspectives. Those two ingredients make me disposed to perspective taking, having a disposition to perspective taking. With that general picture of thinking dispositions in mind, maybe this is a good moment to turn to our second question. Which thinking dispositions seem especially important these days? Great question. And you know, those kinds of challenges have always been part of the human condition. But in our current era, as in some other periods, polarization, political polarization, cultural polarization have really undermined the thoughtfulness with which a lot of people approach issues. So maybe that polarization points us in a general direction, thinking about what dispositions seem important. Yeah, it certainly does. Some of our listeners have probably seen long lists of thinking skills, some more general, some more specialized. Well, you know, thinking dispositions are like that too. 
there are some very general dispositions like open-mindedness or curiosity or an imaginative leaning. Then there are more specific ones like concern to understand something thoroughly or alertness to slips of logic. In the literature, you'll find different lists of thinking dispositions. Maybe there are four, maybe there are eight or more, and those lists are handy. But we don't think there's a list that's the right master list of dispositions for all time and all places, just as we don't think there's the right master list of thinking skills for all times and all places. A lot depends on what the needs and the opportunities are. But if for the moment we have to make some suggestions, okay, we will. One that is always important and especially needed now is the disposition to pursue unbiased reasoning with evidence. We could say reasoning fairly, not just to support my own position and against someone else's, maybe not even to have much of a position to start with, but to inquire into the way the world works and arrive at a fair, thoughtful judgment. For instance, that's what juries are supposed to do. Listen to the evidence and try to reach a fair, unbiased judgment. I'm all for that. I agree that that feels always important, but especially important these days. I'll throw onto the list another one, the disposition to appreciate and explore diverse perspectives. Again, like reasoning, always important, but especially so these days. As we were saying, there's a lot of polarization in public discourse. And as we try to have conversations with people across distance and across context, perspective taking, and not just plopping yourself in someone else's shoes, but perspective taking with self-awareness and with humility is especially important, it seems to me. Another that might not be the first to come to mind, but is so important these days is the disposition to give thinking time. In many situations, we have a tendency toward hastiness in the rapid give and take. We want to decide complicated matters quickly so we can mm, nestle comfortably into that feeling, hey, I got this one nailed. I agree. Again, that seems so important. And another one that I think is really timely and maybe not quite as obvious is the disposition to appreciate and probe systems. You know, systems have always been around us all the time, but changes in contemporary life have really shown a particularly strong light on the way that systems shape our lives and the way that we shape systems for better and for worse. You know, and this would include systems of beliefs and ideas, physical systems, environmental systems, global systems, social systems, and so on. You know, the basic idea here is that things are often a lot more interconnected than they appear on the surface. Understanding how the world works and thinking about how to get it to work better often involves probing the system's dimensions of things and being sensitive to underlying systemic factors seems really important at this moment in time. That sounds great. Let's, though, be careful here. When we mention these, we're not saying, oh, you got to pick these four. They're just good, timely candidates. Depending on what you're trying to do for yourself or your family or friends, or if you're a teacher, your class, hey, shop around. Remind yourself of various phrases we use to describe the leanings of a good thinker. Pick three or four. 
three or four that make sense for your situation and hey, work on them for a while. Good advice. And you know, one thing that makes it a little easier is that lots of dispositions overlap a little bit, just like thinking skills overlap. So when you're foregrounding one thinking disposition, you can get slices of others too, kind of like a bonus. For example, you mentioned giving thinking time, Dave, and that really overlays often with the taking time to say, look for reasons or look for perspectives. Exploring perspectives often reveals underlying systems and so forth. By the way, you might notice that when we encourage learners to pay more attention to certain dispositions, that's metacognition. We're asking them to be aware of and develop not just their thinking skills, but their dispositions. Metacognition was the topic of our lab podcast, and here we see that it's even broader in implications than we already explored. Anyhow, so Shari, when we want to foster thinking dispositions, how might we go about it? Well, one very straightforward way is to take advantage of conversation and discussion in group contexts, you know, in classrooms or on teams or any context where people are talking together about issues or trying to figure something out together. And this is because any aspect of our character, including thinking dispositions, tends to come into play when we interact with other people. And also we learn from what other people do. So creating conversational contexts that support certain thinking dispositions is one really natural way to foster them. It makes complete sense. Another thing we can do is draw people's attention to what it looks like in action to be curious or look at the other side of the case or take perspectives. Name the behavior, illustrate it, model it. For instance, in conversation, strike a tone that illustrates the disposition we're striving for. Let's look at both sides of this. Or let's stand back and get a more distanced perspective on this. What does it look like then? Or when I ask myself to look at the other side, you know, one thing that comes up is this. Good advice. Yet another thing is to make sort of thinking dispositional behavior a routine part of the way things are done around. So one help for that can be routine patterns of thinking. And some of our listeners will know that we've been thinking for a long time about things called thinking routines, which are just short little strategies that get people thinking in positive thinking dispositional ways. They foster positive habits of mind. Yet another thing we might do is to ask others and, hey, ask ourselves to keep an eye out over the next few days for points of application. Maybe bring them back to a group for discussion. Like, you know, over the past couple of days, there were sort of three or four things I was curious about. So that was a good moment to think a little bit about them. This is a way of cultivating alertness to opportunities. In everyday life, with so much going on, it's often alertness that falls by the wayside. So true. Well, we've mentioned some ways to foster dispositions, and all of this sounds good. But of course, there are still some real challenges and puzzles about thinking dispositions. You know, even though we've been thinking about them for a long time, Dave, what don't we know enough about? What do you think are some growth fronts in terms of understanding how thinking dispositions work and how we might cultivate them? Well, yeah, a tricky one in educational contexts is the question of assessment. 
thinking dispositions are just very embedded in the character and personality, and so they raise challenges for traditional modes of assessment. To name just one part of the challenge, the fact that alertness to opportunity is an important element, especially in the flow of everyday life, that means that formal or contrived testing environments that stand in for alertness really can't do the job. If I ask you to think about the other side of the case, well, you're going to make an effort to do it. But do you catch those moments on the fly? Yes, the challenge of alertness is is really a tricky challenge, Dave. I agree with that. You know, another challenge is that often opportunities to practice dispositional behavior seem to favor verbal expression. And this is especially the case in reasoning, but in other areas as well. And educators mentioned that this comes up a lot with thinking routines, which we just talked about, which can seem to favor the verbal side of learning because they ask, of course, for verbal responses, like what questions can you ask a thinking routine might ask, or what reasons can you give a thinking routine might ask. So I wonder how thinking dispositions can be cultivated in ways that reach the visual side of learning or or the more hands-on side. You know, there are already some good ideas out there, graphic organizers and the like are visual. And here and there, there are approaches to teaching thinking through making hands-on work and thinking through movement. There's some good work there as well. But we could learn a lot more about how to encourage thinking dispositions across modalities. Okay, let's stand back. We began with three questions. How did we do? Well, Our first question was, what are thinking dispositions? And we suggested that they are tendencies in our thinking behavior. They are part of our character and part of the way we understand other people's character as curious or open-minded or whatever, even if we don't use the label thinking dispositions. And really importantly, they are not fixed. They are susceptible to growth and change, and they're influenced by context. Right. Hmm. And regarding our second question, which was which thinking dispositions seem especially important these days, we talked about four that stand out to us, although there certainly could be others. And the ones we mentioned were the disposition to pursue unbiased reasoning with evidence, the disposition to appreciate and explore diverse perspectives, the disposition to give thinking time, and the disposition to appreciate and probe systems. Okay. And we made some progress on our third question. How can we foster thinking dispositions toward improving everyone's thinking? Maybe four is our magic number because we mentioned four ideas there as well. We talked about taking advantage of group contexts where the interaction between people creates a natural opportunity to express dispositions. And we talked about drawing attention to thinking dispositions in action through naming, illustrating, or modeling them. And also, we talked about using thinking routines and other strategies that encourage the development of positive habits of mind. Finally, we talked about cultivating alertness to opportunity. Mm, Well, I think we did it. That wraps it up. It's been really great to talk about thinking dispositions. Uh, reminds me how much we've thought about it and how much more we can continue to think about it. So to our listeners, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. And stay tuned. 
In our next episode, we're going to shake up our format a bit. Remember the disposition to give thinking time that we talked about earlier? Well, it's not just thinking something through that needs time. I'm going to chat with Shari about her ideas on slow looking, a topic she has written about and continues to ponder. So, hey, see you next time, Shari. I'm looking forward to our conversation. And as always, we can be found wherever you get your podcasts or on the Project Zero website, or look for us on Twitter at ThinkAbilityPZ. See you next time, Dave.